start. Okay, three, two, one. Hi everyone, thank you so much for joining us. We have another fantastic interview for you today. Today, I'm excited because we've got friend of the show, Ryan Knight on. He is an activist, the host of Amped Up Podcast. He's part of the advisory committee for Movement for a People's Party. He's endorsed over 25 down-ballot progressive candidates just in this cycle, and he's a leading national voice for the progressive movement. And of course, he and I originally met because he spoke at the People's Convention, which was an incredible event. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. <laughs> and that was it. This really People's Convention me. was amazing. It like filled me yeah. up with so much hope. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to be here with you because you and I always have such great conversations. Um, so look, let's jump right into it. Trump got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! What are, your, what are your thoughts on that? You know, <laughs> I wasn't surprised because, and I just, I think that he has governed our nation so recklessly. And I think it's just, it's like he can't even keep COVID out of his own White House. He can't even keep his own White House secure. So how is he gonna keep our entire nation secure and safe from this disease? You know, and uh, he was already gonna have a hard time getting reelected. But I just think that this was kind of the icing on the cake. You know, I think the American people are fatigued. I think they've seen enough. And, you know, when he spent the first three months of, the, of this pandemic uh, downplaying the virus, calling it a hoax, saying that it would disappear like a miracle. <clears throat> well, guess what? The virus didn't disappear like a miracle. It killed 210,000 Americans and counting. And he, you know, he made issues that like shouldn't have been an issue, an issue, like wearing masks. Like it's very simple. When you are in one of the worst pandemics in history, you wear a mask to keep yourself safe, to keep your neighbors safe, to keep your family safe. We were debating whether we should be wearing masks, masks or not for like three months because of, because of Trump and because he just likes to, you know, lie and, uh, you know, get his base all rallied up on, on just ridiculous things. Like it should have been very simple. When it happened, we should have had a plan. There should have been a, a, a tracing plan. There should have been a, a mandatory mask, uh, you know, nationwide. And, and we should have started tackling this. Instead, it, it, you know, he's politicized it. And as we all know, viruses don't care what political party you're from, yeah. whether you're Republican or independent uh, or, or a Democrat or a leftist, uh, it'll affect you. And, and, and this virus has really, uh, you know, gripped our nation. And I also think, you know, this virus is, it, it reminds me of what my dad used to say. He's like, if you want something done right, you got to do it right the first time, because if you don't, it will cause bigger problems down the line. And if we just would have done what every other European nation did and did like a full lockdown for three months and gave everyone cash, right? You, right. Canada gave everyone $2,000 a month, no questions asked, gave everyone you know, basic income throughout the pandemic, then people could have stayed home safely they could have, you know, they would not have had to go to work <laughs> where they're spreading the virus. Um, and we could have gotten through this, you know, yes, it would have been a hard shutdown for three months, but then things would have gotten better. Instead, we've just been kind of in this state of chaos for the entire year. And, you know, he didn't do it right in the beginning and lied to us. And so now here we are. And, 
I, I, the, the last thing I'll add to that, though, is that, look, the, let's not let the Democrats off the hook here either. Because while, while Trump's response has, has been catastrophic, the, the failure of the Democrats is the first thing they did back in February, March, is instead of actually pressuring the Republicans and coming up with a, with a good bailout for the American people who were already struggling before the pandemic right. hit, let's be clear, millions of Americans were already struggling in this economy. Uh, 140 million Americans uh, before the pandemic hit were either poor or low income. So we've had massive levels of, of just economic and wealth inequality in this country for about you know, five decades now that were way before the pandemic hit. So then the pandemic hits and people are even in a bigger crisis. And instead of actually you know, investing in the American people and bailing out the American people, both corporate parties went behind closed doors and gave the largest wealth transfer to their corporate donors, to Wall Street and to the billionaire class. That was both parties. And we need to be very clear about that because it's really easy. I mean, Trump is just so easy because he's out there every day just acting like a buffoon. But that, and they called it the CARES Act, right? They always give it, they always give things that screw over the American people, like the most patriotic names, you know, like <laughs> right. uh, Citizens United, right? Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. gave corporations control of our government or the Patriot Act, which yeah. was surveillance of all of us. Well, now yeah. the CARES Act that was supposed to take care of the American people. And it just took care of the rich and the wealthy. And uh, unfortunately, we've seen now that the, the billionaire class has made $845 billion during this pandemic, uh, while all of us are struggling, and while the working class and the poor are struggling. So it's, it's complicity, it's, you know, the entire government is corrupt, and it has been for a very long time. But when a pandemic like this hits and you actually need the government to take care of the people and all they want to do is keep taking care of their corporate donors, you really see the effects of having a, uh, you know, a government that is bought and paid for uh, by giant corporations, Wall Street and the billionaire class. Yeah, absolutely. And look, this shows us exactly what their priorities are. You and I were just talking uh, before before we started the, the interview about how I'm one of those people that's in unemployment. This is affecting all of us. And I was on the phone. First of all, I was on hold for two hours to get a hold of anyone. And that's a good day because usually it takes days of calling dozens of times to get a hold of anyone. So I was actually lucky to be able to hold for two hours to speak to somebody. And at the end of those two hours, they told me, and get this, there is an extension that some people are getting. I made too little, too little money to qualify for it. So what they literally just said to me was, sorry, you're too poor to get help. I mean, this is just so backwards at this So backwards. Point. The people who need help aren't getting the help that they exactly. need. Exactly. I'm so sorry. And, no, look, I mean, this is just reality and the fact that right. this is happening to people that we know. Right. I mean, it's affecting me personally. I know other people. Everybody knows somebody that this has hit incredibly hard. My mother's having to sell her house of 20 years because, you know, she's going through a divorce and she can no longer afford it. She can no longer afford it. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are going through things like this. And, you know, I want to get kind of into like the, the feelings of Trump getting COVID, right? Because for me, that was kind of like an ethics 
hardball, you know, and they, they just hurled it at me. And I was like, hmm, how do I react to this? Because I don't think that anyone who dislikes Trump can deny the time that there was a tiny bit of um, vindication when he got COVID, not only because we were expecting it because he was so careless, but because in a way it does show like, look what happens when you're not careful, right? And so there is a tiny bit of feeling of vindication in that. And I think that that's human. I don't think that we can necessarily, you know, push that down. But what I do think we can control is how we react overall to something. And I saw a lot of really interesting reactions when Trump got COVID on both ends, right? So on the one hand, I saw people who say that they're against the death penalty going, fuck yeah, let it kill him. <laughs> you know, which I thought was interesting because if you're against the death penalty, theoretically, that should apply to everyone, not just people you like, right? And so, but then I saw the other end of it, which was people who clearly hate Trump sending him prayers and, and I'm like, just stop. Like you can be, you can, you can be a human about this without being disingenuous about it. My reaction was, I don't hope he dies. I hope we learn from this, but I'm not going to be a hypocrite and sit here and send him well wishes at, well, I can't send him prayers because I'm an atheist, but <laughs> you know, so I can't do that. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and go, yeah, I say that I'm against the death penalty, but, but I want him to die. Like, come on. So it was a very interesting mixture of emotions for me when, when I heard that he got COVID. But I was definitely not surprised. And right. I think the most interesting thing now is, I want to know, how did you feel? What was your initial reaction, right? Like that visceral reaction. Yeah. And then did, did that reaction change after you thought about it? And then how do you think his supporters are going to, to take this? So I, we don't, I just believe firmly that I don't have to have, and we don't have to have sympathy for, um, or solidarity for the, the people and the systems that are hurting us, you know, and um, I, I reserve and, and save uh, and express all my solidarity and sympathies uh, for the poor and the working class and the millions of Americans who are being taken advantage of and stepped on by this corrupt system that uh, we are living under. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have, you know, I don't have sympathy for Trump, but I also don't have sympathy for these corporate Democrats and these Republicans who continue, despite all this suffering that is going on right now in our country, continue to govern for the wealthy and for their corporate donors. We have to be clear about that. The poverty that we're seeing, the, the, you know, there's 30 million Americans who are reporting that they're not getting enough food to eat. We have 92 million Americans who are either underinsured or uninsured. Yeah. Like I said earlier, we have 140 million Americans who are either poor or low income. So my sympathy and all my solidarity is with, with, is with all of them, yeah. is with all of us, is all the people who have been just shut down and stepped on, uh, you know, by our um, corrupt government. Um, so that's kind of where I, that's kind of what I felt after all this, you know, I wasn't surprised. Um, and I, I agree with you, like all, you know, one of my things with, with liberals is that, you know, they will be, you know, 24 hours before he got COVID, they were like, you know, 
screw Trump and F Trump and all their like performative <laughs> stuff, not actually, yeah. you know, resisting the policies that are hurting us and not actually fighting for something better and real systemic change and not fighting for Medicare for all or for, you know, universal basic income um, or for a Green New Deal. But they're just every day, Trump bad, Trump bad, Trump bad, you know. That's really what liberals and, and kind of more centrist Democrats stand for now. They don't actually stand for progress and for moving our nation forward. And so when they started to all of a sudden they went from Trump bad, Trump bad to writing him prayers and, and sending all these sympathies. Again, like I, people like Pete Buttigieg, you know, he wrote like the most ridiculous prayer for Trump and thought, you know, <laughs> this, this tweet for him. And it was like, it was like, it's again that political posturing. They're yeah. all just posturing yeah. politically to, you know, make sure they're not offending anyone and make sure that like they're playing both sides well. And you know what I'm saying? And so, and, and that's just not how I am. That's not how my politics are. Again, I'm with the people who are struggling. And um, so, uh, and I also think for his supporters, look, I hope that his supporters take this as a wake up call because again, it, their behavior affects all of us, Yeah. right? So I want all of them to wear masks. You know, we can really limit the spread of this if people wear masks. You know, there's some yeah. new data that's out that's really scary uh, that says that uh, by, I think, February or March of next year, the worst case scenario is we could have 400,000 deaths by next, you know, by next uh, spring. Yeah. That is really, that is really scary. That, you know, this is getting really bad. And so... If, if all you got to do is wear a mask to, to really help and, and social distance as much as you can and work from home if you can and just do whatever you can. I mean, if, if that's what nations do during times of adversity, we, 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 may, we do what we need to do to help one another. The problem is that none of our leadership starts at the top and none of our leaders want to help us. Right. And we're right. seeing leadership in both the Democratic leadership and Republican leadership just kind of bail out their corporate donors and abandon the American people. So when you get abandoned by your leaders, yeah. what do you think people are thinking? They're like, well, what, what's the point? And so everyone's just in you know, fight or flight mode and, and survival mode. And, and so we've had to bear the sacrifices of this. And if we had a government that was actually on our side, we wouldn't have to sacrifice so much, right? If we had a government that actually believed in compassion and dignity and policies that uh, improved our material conditions, they would have sent everyone, you know, $2,000 checks throughout the duration of this pandemic. But here we are, you know, in a greedy, uh, capitalistic, oligarchic nation where it's, you know, I got to go get mine and, and, you know, screw you, you, you know, I got mine, you know, you go get yours. And we're just in this kind of like, we're all competing and fighting against each other when we should be locking arms with each, with one another and standing in solidarity with our brothers and our sisters and, and, and fighting for the dignity we deserve and, and rising up against this corruption um, and rising up against this authoritarian repressive government uh, and, and, uh, and fighting like hell for the, for the government and, this, and the system we deserve. And unfortunately, um, it's, we just don't have the leadership to do that right now, which I think is also why we need to get this People's Party moving because there's right. just no leadership around bringing together the, the working class people in this nation that are really, you know, bearing the brunt of the effects of living, uh, uh, you know, 
under a government that is uh, working for the ruling class and the giant corporations. Yeah, that's so true. What do you think, what do you think the feeling is behind those people that, because we've all seen these people that have these almost violent reactions to being told to wear a mask, right? Right. And whether it's them, you know, harassing a store clerk or attacking somebody who's saying, hey, you can't come in here unless you're wearing a mask. I've been trying to understand what it is that's going on in those people's minds. And kind of what I've come to is that there has to be a very strong mixture of fear um, uncertainty. And um, one thing that I, I always find interesting is that these people who are so terrified of the government, quote unquote, invading their lives, then use uh, that same government to invade other people's lives. So for example, the Patriot Act, where they're constantly listening in on everything we're saying. And more importantly, you know, we have a Supreme Court justice that is about to be confirmed who is against women's rights. So how is it, how do you come about to being able to reconcile both of those thoughts in your head of, I don't want government on my back, but they should totally be able to tell women whether they can have kids or not. Like, how do you reconcile those two thoughts inside of your head? Is it, do you think that it is that maybe they, they just want to feel like they're in control, they're in charge, and anybody who tells them anything, even if it's just slightly inconvenient, that's somehow seen as an attack? Yeah, well, I think that for, for decades now, um, Republicans have been using this argument to try to, you know, persuade people against government and against the government actually being on our side and actually uh, providing uh, healthcare for the people and providing just basic human rights for the people, you know, government, I mean, the Republican Party's big talking point now for probably 40 years is that, you know, big government is bad, you know, or that government in itself is bad uh, or, and that, you know, capitalism equals freedom. But not when it right? comes to the military. Right, but not when it comes to military. But the problem is what these people don't understand is that it's not about bigger government or smaller government. It's about who our government really works for. And right now we have a government that works for Wall Street and works for the giant corporations and works for the ruling class. And we desperately need a government that works for the people, for small businesses, uh, and, and for the working class. And right. so what, what people aren't understanding is that while they've been so thinking government is bad, what, what our politicians have been doing is, use, is taking government and, and, and in Congress, writing laws that actually hurt the working class and help the ruling class. And so the system has literally been rigged against us, especially our economic system. That is why we've seen uh, I just looked at a graph this morning. It blew my mind. Uh, in the last, since 1980, so for the last 40 years, in every single administration, and so starting with Reagan and then going into Bush and then to Clinton and then to Bush uh, and then to Obama and then to Trump, every single administration, both Democrat and Republican, income inequality has grown, has increased. 
everyone. And it's almost like a line. It's like you see the, the bottom 50% of Americans, their wealth is going like this. And the top 1% wealth in the graph is going like that. And that is a result, again, of uh, two corporate parties that are not on, on the people's side. And so what we have to realize is it's, it's not government in itself isn't bad. What's bad is a captured government, a government that has been captured by these wealthy corporations and um, the, the billionaire class because they literally buy off our government to get laws written for them. And so that's the part that we need to stop because what ends up happening, that's why we're all at each other's throats. Because while we're fighting each other, uh, you know, while the 99% is busy fighting each other, they're not noticing that, the one, that, that our politicians are rigging the system for the 1%. And so when I look at seeing some of these kind of, you know, working class Republican voters, I'm like, you have no idea how much better your life would be if you had a government that actually was on your side, that was not, you know, not helping billionaires make $845 billion more dollars during well, a pandemic. Right, while we're suffering. And so that to me is the big disconnect in our politics. And of course, our, our corporate media just magnifies that. So, you know, Fox News essentially, uh, you know, indoctrinates conservatives and MSNBC and CNN indoctrinate liberals. And they're both kind of keeping everyone fighting against each other with kind of cultural issues or wedge issues, while again, the system is being rigged against all of us. And so I believe in a government that, in an, in an economy where, uh, you know, someone like Jeff Bezos can't make $13 billion in a single day. I just, you know, while- And then not pay taxes. And then not pay taxes on it. Like that just, I don't know how anyone can defend an economy like that. Like I just, yeah. I believe in an economy where wealth is distributed more equally and where hard work actually gets rewarded and where, you know, we now have two billionaires who now own more wealth than half of our entire nation. I just don't, believe that is a sustainable economy. Uh, and then you look at what it's doing to our environment. I just think we are on a, on a path that is unsustainable and, and we got a correct course. And um, again, the problem is though, is everyone's liberals are just saying, oh, well, we'll just get rid of Trump and everything will magically be better. And it's like, no, if you just get rid of the corrupt president, we'll still be left with our corrupt system. Right. And that's what we have to change if we want to live in a, an America that is truly free. You know, where we are truly free and we're not living under the rule of these giant corporations and these oligarchs like Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates. Uh, and so that is the kind of, uh, that is what it's going to take, you know, for the People's Party to build that kind of grassroots coalition, bringing working class people together that are independent, Republican and Democrat, you know, who want just a, a government that is not owned uh, by the 1%, but that actually works for the 99%. That's the kind of solidarity we need to start making these systemic changes that we really need in this country. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I think another thing is that shows how split into teams we've become. Because one thing that I've noticed, even from people who say they're progressives and that want a new party. So this new party is going to be about bringing everybody together under progressive policies right. right because what matters is the policy and so people who say you know you can't have you know conservatives or right-wing people join the party you know that's that's insane that's just further identity politics which has now encapsulated left and right 
right? And that's just for further dividing ourselves. Why wouldn't we want the entire country under this new party if they agree to the policy? Right. So what really matters here is the policy. And I think that's what gets lost all the time. And that's why people argue so much. And that's why, you know, they've got Americans pitted against each other, hating each other, because all they care about is the label. Are you conservative or liberal? Are you left or right? right? They don't actually stop to think about what policies do we believe in and do we agree on those? Because the truth is, when you look at most working class Americans, most of them can agree on a lot of these things. That's right. And it's a lie. It is a lie that has been perpetuated by the people in power that we are so different that we could never come together. It's a lie. Well, it's how they rule us is divide and conquer. Keep yeah, us divided right. on a few wedge issues. Yeah. Right. So while while Guns, we're abortion, you know, yep. God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and it's that tribalism. It's that yeah. blind, it's the it's the blind partisanship which prevents most of the American people from waking up and seeing like, holy moly, like both corporate parties are rigging the system against us. Yeah. Uh, but I think what you just hit on is key. I think that you know, we don't have to water down any of our policies because leftist policies are very popular. Yeah. The majority of this country supports uh, a single payer Medicare for all healthcare system. The overwhelming majority of this country supports a Green New Deal. You know, uh, the overwhelming majority of this country uh, supports workplace democracy. Uh, the majority of this country supports uh, universal basic income. And so, we can fight for these bold progressive policies um, and, and unite a, a multiracial, multigenerational coalition of working class Americans who just want to live in an America where no matter how much money you make or don't make, you can live a life of dignity. Right. And you can live a, live a life where, you know, and that's just what's missing in our politics. And, and when you look at the two corporate parties, what, what amazed me about the, the vice presidential debate is like, the, the two corporate parties agree on pretty much, like they act like there's so much division, but they agree on the big issues. Yeah. The two corporate parties support these endless wars, which I would call extreme. These two corporate parties both support an economy that is rigged for the ruling class and support these massive tax breaks for the, for the, for the wealthiest Americans. You know, these two corporate parties, um, you know, support a predatory for-profit healthcare system, you know, that, sends 600,000 Americans into debt every year. Um, you know, the, both of these parties, you know, so there's a lot that these two corporate parties agree on and what they agree on isn't good for the majority of Americans. Right. So like, that's why there is a space for a party that is just going to unequivocally fight for the people and fight for the working class and fight for policies that will actually help them not policies that will help the donor class and, you know, the giant corporations. Um, again, the reason that people don't realize that is the corporate media system basically just says, no, either you're a liberal or a conservative. You have two choices. Either you, you, either you watch MSNBC or Fox News. Yeah. You know, either you're a Republican or a Democrat. You know, since the moment we're born in this country, they tell us it's binary. You know, it's Coke or it's Pepsi. <laughs> and what people don't realize is like, no, like there's I love Mountain Dew. Mother. Yeah, you could, there's Sprite, <laughs> there's Mountain Dew, there's Fresca, there's, you know, Evian water, there's Fiji water. Like there's so many better options than just these two corporate parties 
that want to continue to march us basically towards fascism is where it gets us. And the other thing that I, that I think that, that Democrats get so, like I'm tired of, you know, I think the Republicans are so brazen about their fascism and their authoritarianism. But when you look and see how the Demo what the Democratic Party has been up to in the last year, like rigging the primary against the progressive candidate, yep. kicking the Green Party off of ballots in multiple states, uh, making people swear, swear, basically swear a loyalty pledge to the party, vote blue no matter who, in the primary before we even had a candidate, basically yeah. telling people that like policy doesn't matter. No, it matters who you vote for. Um, basically silencing any dissent, anyone who demands policies or demands something better, you'll get attacked by a DNC operative, especially a prominent prog progressive voice like me. I, you know, it's like, all of those things I just listed off, like that's, there's nothing democratic about any of those activities. Those are all very authoritarian activities and behaviors. Blue and blue mega. And so, but this idea that like liberals have, have they genuinely believe that, that by just replacing red corporate owned politicians right. with blue corporate owned politicians, that that's somehow going to save America when these blue politicians are owned by the exact same corporations as the red ones. It is purely, it's pure insanity. Yeah. Polite corporatism or polite fascism is not going to save America. Yeah. What's going to save America is, is millions of working class people coming together and building a party and a government that will work for them and not for uh, the the billionaire class and these giant corporations. That's what will save America. And we're so far from that. So when people say that, like, you need to vote blue to save democracy, I tell them, like, unfortunately, like, we don't live in a democracy. Yeah. That's just the facts. We America is not a democracy and it's not even a republic. America is an oligarchy, yeah. which means that we have a government that is not of, by, and for the people. It's a government that is of, by, and for the ruling class. Both corporate parties serve the ruling class. They do not work for the people. And just like I showed you that graph that keeps income inequality, you know, income for the bottom 50% keeps going down and income for the wealthy keeps going this way. That is what happens when you, ha when you live in an oligarchy because the laws get written to help, you know, very few people. And so it's just, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense when you really start to unpack our political system. Um, and it's unfortunate. And so, you know, the other thing I think is important is, is like, when you look at the Republican Party, you know, in the Republican Party, it is considered sacrilegious to criticize Donald Trump, right? Like if you're a Republican or you are a Republican in Congress, like it's sacrilegious, but you can look at the Democratic Party. It's the same, it, it is considered sacrilegious to criticize Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, or Nancy Pelosi. And that, that is how they control us. They control us by, by these parties demand blind obedience and they use fear to control people. Yeah. And so the other day, you know, it's like the, the greatest weapon against the oligarchy is a free mind, is, is, is people like me and you who, who aren't beholden to either party because we can demand more from both parties. Right. Or we can say that like, yeah, I can see that the Republican party is terrible, but look at the Democratic party. Things aren't getting better under Democrats either. Barack Obama promised hope and change for eight years 
And you know what happened in his presidency? He bailed out Wall Street. 11 million working class Americans lost their homes, you know, bailed out the big banks and income inequality got worse. And it led to, you know, enough swing state voters being desperate enough to vote for a con man in 2016. Yeah. That's really what happened. And there's been no accountability for the Democratic Party. The, Demo the greatest weakness of the Democratic Party is it's not able to take criticism. Yeah. You know, like when a good athlete loses a championship game, what does that athlete do? Do they blame the fans? Do they blame the referee? Do they blame their opponent? No. They, they, right. they, they look within themselves. They take inventory. They work hard in the offseason on how they can do better next time. What do I need to do to win next time? After 2016, did the, did the, did the Democratic Party do that? No. <laughs> yeah, right. They blamed Jill Stein. They blamed Russia. They blamed... Bernie Everybody voters, they blamed Bernie, they blamed Susan Sarandon, they blamed every single person except the person who lost the election, Hillary Clinton. And she lost the election because she didn't campaign in swing states. She didn't go to Wisconsin, Michigan, or Pennsylvania. And she didn't have an economic, a strong economic agenda for working class Americans, for the, for the Americans who are struggling in this corrupt system. And Trump actually didn't really have an agenda for them either, but right. he just lied and said he did. Yeah. And, and people were desperate enough to believe him because that is how much people are hurting in this country. And what do these smug liberal elitists do and have done for the last four years? They shame the poor. They shame the working class. Right. They say Trump is president because you didn't vote. When they should be saying, no, Trump is president because Hillary Clinton didn't give us anything to vote for. Right. She didn't give the working class anything to vote for. She didn't give the 140 million Americans who are poor or low, in low income anything to vote for, yeah. any policies that would improve their material conditions. So we're now in just a politics of scapegoating, a politics of blaming the other side, yeah. and neither corporate party has any interest in actually uh, passing policies that will transform the lives of the American people or that will heal this nation from or in this planet from the climate crisis. You know, they just want to continue business as usual. I mean, literally, while all these crises are happening around, they want to just continue to govern for the rich and govern for the ruling class. It is absolutely insanity. And I would actually go one step further. This is exactly how empires collapse. Yeah. Anyone who studies history, all the great empires fell for one reason. You can go to look in Egypt, you can look at Rome. They all fell because of greed. Because yeah. the people up here had way too much and everyone down here had ba had, couldn't even survive anymore. And so the people fight back. And, have every, and, and I don't blame anyone who's fighting back against this corrupt system. You know? And so if we don't have massive systemic changes, things are just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. That is where we're headed. We are headed towards you know, oblivion right now. We are on the path. Um, and so what we need is a political party and representatives who are not uh, bought and paid for by corporate interests, right? We need a political party that is free of corporate money and corporate interests because that is what corrupted the other two parties. Right. So they can go in there and start passing policies that will help the people and help the planet. And uh, that is why I do believe that that is our path to uh, anything that resembles a democracy. It has to come from outside these two corporate parties.
If we continue to do this, it's just giving more power to the oligarchy. Yeah, I completely agree. And look, we've seen, no matter how much they want to try to deny it, we've seen that there's been a K-shaped recovery, right? Which is what we were just talking about, which is those that were already, you know, bad off or even worse off now when those that were already well off are even better off. And you can, you know, I, I don't know if you saw this article, but you can tell how out of touch these people are just by looking at the things that they propose and what they put forward. Biden was saying, you know, that middle class is $400,000 a year. That is middle class to him. So, I mean, this is so insane, so out of touch with reality to, uh, that you don't understand that if you're making half a million dollars a year, you're not middle class. You're in the 1%. You know? Yeah, you're, I mean, you're making really, really good money. And, you know, so what, I've been trying to think, what is it that I guess has, has blinded us so much to the inadequacies of the Democratic Party while we continue to point out the inadequacies of the Republican Party? And one of the things that frustrates me the most is that when you do point out of the inadequacies of the Democratic Party, automatically they assume that you must be a Republican. Automatically they assume that you must support the other guy. And it's like, look, no, like this is about a standard of living. This is about actually being able to survive, which is something that is not feasible for a lot of Americans right now. And so what we're seeing is a completely out of control monster that we call our government. And it's not a monster because it's the government, it's a monster because of the people that are running it. And there seems to be a, it's what you said, a complete lack of being able to take any feedback or any criticism. And I don't know if you saw this, but there was that audio that leaked of Melania, you know, talking about, uh, you know, are you fucking kidding me? Where, where was all this complaining when Obama was putting kids in cages, you know? And like, she's right about that. I hate her, but she's right about that. The fact that people don't realize that it may have been for different reasons or under different specific circumstances, but no, Obama, and Obama and Biden built the cages at the border. Exactly. Obama took us to seven wars. So it's like it, that that inability to look within our own party, not anymore for me because I'm an independent. But me either. I left the Democratic Party three months ago. It was I yeah. feel free. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. But they can't even look within themselves and go, okay, what are we doing that we could do better? And so you're absolutely right. Everything always comes down to the fear vote and the fear mongering and the shaming. And that's why I hate seeing it. People attacked you so much and have been attacking you so much just for saying that you expect better. Yeah, that we all deserve better. Yeah, from the person that wants to run the whole country. Let me ask you something about that. Yep. You know when people attack you or me or any of us that are Democrats, do you think that part of that attack internally there's something telling them that you must be wrong because if you're not wrong, what does that say about them? Yeah. And so I think that that's kind of an internal struggle that they're also dealing with 
is that thing of is my entire I cannot allow my entire reality to shatter and therefore you must be lying and you must be the bad guy. Uh, well, absolutely. I you hit so many good points. I think a, f a few things here. I think that I think the American people have been beaten down for so long by this government. I mean, this didn't just happen again with one or two presidencies. We've been heading Washington DC has been putting their corporate donors over the basic needs of the American people for the last 50 years, right? And so, and they've been kicking the can down the road on any kind of real systemic change. And so I think the people have just gotten so used to getting breadcrumbs and so used to um, living under this repressive government that they can't even imagine anything better or they can't even imagine sad, the, the possibilities <laughs> of a better world. So when someone comes along and, and says that like, like, no, like we shouldn't accept this from the, we definitely aren't going to accept anything the Republican party's selling because everything they're selling is crap, yeah. but everything the democratic party, 99% of what the democratic party is, is selling is crap too. And we deserve better than that. You know, and, and, and the biggest, my biggest epiphany with the democratic party is that is finally seeing through all of the platitudes they use to cover up the fact that just like the Republican Party, they govern for their corporate donors. You know, like they'll say climate change is real, but they won't fight for a Green New Deal. Yeah. They'll say healthcare is a human right. They'll offer the platitude, but they won't actually fight for the policy, Medicare for all, to make healthcare a human right. You know, they'll say Black Lives Matter, but they won't fight to defund, uh, you know, militarized police forces and shift resources into black and brown communities. So again, we've, the electorate has allowed Republicans to get away with their insanity and they've allowed Democrats to just basically provide platitudes and lip service to huge systemic problems. And I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to just figure out that like platitudes are not gonna stop the climate crisis. Right. Platitudes are not gonna stop the racial injustice crisis platitudes are not going to stop the, you know, the economic inequality crisis and the cost of healthcare crisis. We are in a moment in history that demands revolutionary change, that demands the kind of systemic change that happened when FDR wrote the New Deal. That is the moment in history we're in. And yet in this moment, both corporate parties are just peddling more of the same and, and basically just want to act like, you know, Biden just wants to act like, okay, it's all Trump. We just got to get rid of Trump and then everything's going to magically be okay. And, you know, Trump and the Republicans are just like, everything is the Democrats. It's those, it's those crazy, the Democrats are responsible for everything. And I think that, look, we find ourselves in a, in a hard moment in our history. Like nobody wants to admit that like our system is failing. Our entire government, our entire economy, our entire political system right now is failing 90% of the people and 100% of the planet. It's a lot easier if you're a liberal to just go and blame Trump. And it's a lot easier if you're a Trump supporter to just go and blame Democrats or Pelosi than actually being like, oh crap, the problem isn't Donald Trump. The problem isn't you know, Nancy Pelosi. The problem is our entire system yeah. is rigged, is failing, and it needs to be replaced with a system that, that actually works for the majority of the people. Nobody wants to do that. Everyone just wants to put a Band-Aid on and say, blame the other side and then continue on and pretend like everything will be okay. Well, we're at a point now where like, that's not going to work anymore. 
We right. need meaningful change right now and neither party is fighting for it, you know? And so that is why I believe we have to do everything we possibly can to uh, reach out to every single American and build solidarity amongst the working class and get them to understand that we deserve better than this. Yes. The planet deserves better than this. You know, we deserve a government that is on our side. We deserve a government that puts, you know, human welfare over corporate welfare. We deserve a government that puts human need over corporate greed. You know, we deserve a government that actually wants to lift people up, not uh, tear people down and destroy people's lives. You know, think of how much money our government spends on these endless wars. You know, think of how much money our government spends on mass incarceration. Think of how much money our government spends on militarized police forces to maintain this oppressive right. regime we're, we're living under. Think about that and think about how much pain and, and suffering and, and, and destruction th that's causing. And then think about like what our government could be doing. Our government could be spending money on a universal single payer Medicare for all healthcare system to right. heal our people. Our government could be spending money on a Green New Deal to save our planet and our people from the climate crisis. You know, our government could be spending money to invest uh, in black and brown and, and, and marginalized communities to, to, to lift them up and to give them more opportunities. You know, our government could be finally righting the wrongs of slavery and investing in reparations. I agree. Millions 100%. of Americans who, who, who came to this country by no choice of their own, yeah. you know, and our, 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 and our, and our uh, ancestors of, of slavery, you know, uh, have descended from, slave, from, from slaves. So we have all of these massive problems and we're not solving any of them. Instead, the government is just continuing this destruction, these wars, the, you know, the, the mass incarceration and, and rigging our economy to help fewer and fewer. And so we have arrived at that point where it's time to fight for something better. And I think that scares people. And I also think we have to look at the generational. This is generational. When you look at the Democratic primary, unfortunately, if it was the, the majority of voters under 50 voted for Bernie Sanders, yeah. the majority of voters over 50 voted for Joe Biden. And so unfortunately, like the, the older generation, they've been living under this regime for so long that I don't think they realize how bad it is. And I don't think they realize the damage it's doing to future generations. I just don't think boomers accept, like, I don't think they understand like that there's not going to be a planet left if we continue on this path. Not for there us anyway. <laughs> there won't be an America in 200 years. Yeah. You know, there, it, it won't be sustainable. So we, we, you know, we've got to shift away from this, you know, very kind of short-term capitalistic greed-based thinking that puts, you know, the short-term profitability of the billionaire class over the needs of everyone else and over the sustainability of our planet. So it's that time in history. And we just happen to be in the moment in history where we're living through late stage capitalism, where you could argue that capitalism brought a lot of prosperity to some people. It never worked for everybody, but what good is any of the prosperity capitalism did bring to a select few if it results in the destruction of our ecosystem and the destruction of our planet and the destruction of our climate and, and ultimately the, 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 the mass extinction of the human race, you know, 250 years from now?
What was the point of all this? Right. And so this is a moment where it requires people who can think outside of the box. You know, this is a moment in history for people who are, who are radical, who are free thinkers, who, who don't only color in the lines or think within the system. Because when the system is failing you, you've got to be able to think outside of the system or think about something better and how to build a new system. But right now, everyone's just focused on Coke or Pepsi, even though each are destroying us. You know, Democrat, Republican, let's just keep putting in the same bought and paid for politicians that are just going to continue all this greed and continue all this destruction. And no one has been brave enough to just kind of be like, time out. This isn't working anymore. Yeah. We've got to go in a whole new direction and a direction that is about dignity and compassion and the sustainability of our country. You know, you don't have an economy if there's no more natural resources left to exploit. You know, you don't have an economy if you don't have roads and bridges that have all been destroyed by, you know, natural disaster after natural disaster. I mean, that's what's going to happen. And I'm not, I'm obviously looking forward the next 200 years. Some people are just so focused on the short term. They can't see what's going to happen if we continue down this unsustainable, destructive path. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I can't wait to see what happens on election day. No matter who wins, what we definitely know is that we're going to have to fight whoever it is because sure. neither of these candidates have our best interest at heart. Um, so, Ryan, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I hope we can have you back on after the election, talk yes. about, you know, how to move forward. Um, tell people how they can find you and, and, uh, and what, you're, what you're up to. Yes, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at, at @proudsocialist. You can also listen to my podcast for free um, at whatever app is your favorite to get podcasts on, if that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Google Podcasts. Um, you can go and uh, my podcast is called Amped Up with uh, Ryan Knight. And uh, I just had uh, the vice presidential nominee for the Green Party, Angela Walker, on my podcast this week. I had Nina Turner on a few weeks ago. I have some great guests and we, it's an hour long show once a week. And uh, I have also interviewed a ton of down ballot progressives. You know, as much as I support the efforts to build a viable third party moving forward, I still, you know, fight for and, and help elect true progressives that don't take corporate PAC money and support Medicare for all and support a Green New Deal who want to still try to change the system from within. I think that's an important point to make. I do believe in a two-tiered strategy that yeah. we try to change the system from within and build an entire new system, which would be an entire new party that is not funded by any corporate interests and, or you know, any money from corporate PACs. Because um, I think we need both. I think We've seen the AOC and the squad kind of pressure within. And again, 90% of the Democratic Party is bought and paid for by corporations and billionaires. I mean, it truly is. There's very few progressives in the Democrat, true progressives. Yeah. The majority of the party, it, it is a corporate party. It's not a progressive party. And so I just don't think that's enough. I think we also need to pressure from outside and start building power uh, outside of the two corporate parties and movements like the movement for a people's party, like the green party. I'm voting green here in California for the yes, first sir. time in my life. Um, because I think if we can get the greens to 5%, um, they will get federal funding. Again, I, democracy is about choice. We, the people need more choices, not less. We need to break the stranglehold that these two corporate parties, this corporate monopoly that they have over our government. Um, and I'll just finally say, I think that my prediction is that Joe Biden will win. Uh, but my second prediction is that nothing will fundamentally change. So 
that is why we have that is why we have to continue to do the work after he gets in there. No, I'm serious about that. Yeah, yeah. Nothing he will fundamentally you. change. He told us, he told us that during his campaign. He told the yeah. room of rich donors that nothing would fundamentally change. And I believe you, Joe Biden. So that is why we have to keep doing the work and yeah. build power outside of the two corporate parties and also support progressives who are trying to change the party from within. So thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. And I, I hopefully I'll have you on my podcast again soon. Yeah, I'll be happy to come on whenever. I always love talking with you. All right, Ryan, thank you so much. Everybody catch Ryan on Amped Up, his podcast. And uh, don't forget to subscribe if you have not already. Yeah, subscribe to, to the show. Subscribe, subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe <laughs> to our show. If you want to join the People's Party, which you absolutely should to help our democracy move forward, go to peoplesparty.org. You can volunteer. You can donate. You can help create the change. And we're going to have our founding convention this coming year, so I'm really excited. Also, an And the founding convention, you get to vote on everything. Yes. You as in you, the people. Like, it's not like the DNC committee where they voted in secret to vote against Medicare for all, right? Or to vote against the Green New Deal or to vote against legalizing marijuana. Every single person in the party who's a member of the party, uh, and there's, you don't even have to pay dues. Anyone who wants to be a part of this party can vote for the party platform. Can, so if there's something in the party platform you don't like now, Join us at the founding convention next year and you get to vote. It's, that's what I think is so brilliant about it, where the Republican and Democratic parties are having secret committees that vote on stuff. We're going to let the people vote. Yeah, absolutely. That is democracy. Yeah, absolutely. So that's how you get your power back. Get involved. And just so you guys know, we are going to be doing live election night coverage. It's going to be our first live stream here on YRLA. So we're going to be starting at 5 p.m., Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, when polls start to close. So we're going to have Omar Fernandez and Chris Smalls with us that evening. So we look forward to seeing you guys then. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you again soon. Bye, thank everyone. You. Bye, everyone. <laughs>